Hi, I'm Tara from Marathon Mates. In this episode, we are talking all things New York Marathon, which is about to be run in the Big Apple. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of the flying runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. of the race as well as set the scene for this amazing race which runs through all five boroughs of New York City. But before we get to that I'm joined tonight by Tony and Tim. How's things guys and what have you been up to this week? I've got nothing to report. I'm still not training and the ankle's still not great so nothing to report here apart from our our nice little marathon mates catch up on Sunday. Yeah Yeah, that was good. That was a very nice little catch up wasn't it? It was. Yeah, we've been the same this week. We, um, we've done just a little bit of running, not very much. I think since we got back from Berlin, we've you know got back into training. Everything's gone pretty well, but our bodies have stiffened up a little bit, got a bit sore. So we've just backed it off the last week or so. Didn't do a long run on Sunday. We actually did a sleep in. So that's pretty rare for us. Um, and I think, you know, it's just that it's that time of year. It's the end of the year. We've done a lot of running this year and it's just the body's starting to slow it down and we're doing what we always say, listen to the body. So um, no long run on Sunday, but we did do parkrun. We went out to Sandgate Parkrun and we met our friend Mary, who we met in Berlin, and you know Mary as well, Tony. So it was good yeah. good to catch up with Mary. So, um, you know, that's the great thing with these, these travelling trips that we do. There's always somebody that you meet on one of these journeys somewhere and then you just keep catching up with them after yeah. and again and again and again. So... No, it was good to catch up with Mary, but apart from that, no, pretty easy, light week. We'll get back into it a bit more this week and, and build up yeah. some more kilometres. But for us, it's really um, just focusing on distance, not pace, listening to the body. Uh, we've got a 25K race in about four and a half weeks' time at the Gold Coast 50 event. Um, so that's that's sort of the next thing we're looking at, but we're not going to go too hard at that event. It's just run as far as we can and walk if we have to it's too hot at that time of year to do anything more but it's just a really good fun event that one uh lots of people we know will be there yeah it sounds absolutely positive i always get amazed by you guys and your workload so it was good to actually hear that you had a break on sunday and a long sleep in so (laughs) instead of a long run it was a long sleep so yeah it's a it's a rarity yeah i can imagine yeah it's good to listen to the body when it needs the rest you can't keep pushing it so it's good just to have a rest when you need to yeah and, and one week off like that we find we're then good for four or five weeks again mm. so um it's it's not a bad thing to rest we don't lose any real fitness and and strength in our bodies is still pretty good it's just just getting that fatigue out and and just recovering a little bit absolutely let's get into our Okay, guys, apart from the world of marathoning now, 
um, starting to turn the attention towards New York. What else has been happening to for the world of running this week, guys? So I guess I, I mentioned it last week. Last week we were talking about the Big Dogs Backyard Ultra World Championship in Tennessee, Belt Buckle, Tennessee, or wherever it is. Um, so those who are familiar with this format, I, I mentioned it last week. It's 6.7 kilometer loops every hour on the hour. Um, it's why is it 6.7? Basically, it's 24. It's 100 miles divided by 24 hours equals 6.7 kilometers. Um, and in this one, it's the best runners in the world will do the loops. So the winner of this year was a guy called Harvey Lewis, who's well known in the ultra world. He's been here in Australia. He set a new world record uh, at this event of 108 laps or loops or yards, as they call them, mm. 108 hours of running. Um, so that's run the 6.7 kilometers in your own pace as long as you're ready to go for the start of the next race on the hour. So if you go quick, you can have a longer break. If you go uh, slow, you can have a shorter break. So that's 108 hours, four and a half days of running, essentially, without uh, full sleep. Um, and in total, that equates to 450 miles that they ran or 724 kilometres that he ran in that event, uh, which is huge. And it's a last man standing format. So there was an individual who ran 107 yards or loops as well. Uh, Phil Gore from Australia was the the, um, the highest ranked Australian. Prior to this event, he held the world record of 103 loops. Uh, and in this one, he got to 100 yards or 100 loops in this event, which is just crazy, 100 hours of running. All up, there were six runners who made 100 yards or more, um, which is the first time ever in any sort of backyard ultra ship. Mm. So as I said last week, it's a crazy format because you don't know how long nice. the race is. You don't know how you should feel. You don't know how much sleep you need to have. And on this particular course, it's more challenging because there's actually two 6.7K loops. And during the daytime, it's a trail loop. And during the nighttime, it's a road loop. So do you change your shoes? If you change your shoes, your feet start swelling up. Uh, what size shoes do you need? How much fuel do you take? How much sleep? All those sort of things come into it. And a lot of these uh, runners are actually running more on memory and in a sort of zombie state rather than uh, fully alert. And when you see the YouTube videos of them running those last few loops, they are literally just shuffling along, just yeah. muscle memory. It's crazy how far these yeah. guys are. I cannot believe that someone somewhere actually created this event. Yeah. And then... I cannot believe people sign up for it, but uh, <laughs> huge. I mean, 724 kilometres. Yep. I just, yeah, I cannot fathom that at all. So well done. Yeah, What's his been... name? Harvey Lewis. Harvey Lewis. Yeah, so he's 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 big time in the ultras, and he's the sort of guy that next weekend will go off and run a 200-mile race somewhere. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah, he's one of these guys that just keeps going and he's got a good body that, that can handle it. Mm. Um, the other news, I guess, Tony and Tara this week just being, we had the Chengdu Marathon. So as you know, that's one of the candidate races for Abbott's World Majors. Um, mm. I don't know about you, Tony, but I could find very little anywhere about this race on social media or in on, on the internet. Um, it um, created quite a conversation piece in uh, the World Abbots World Majors group chat yeah. um, for exactly that. For exactly that, it's just um, it's the big marathon that no one knows about. Correct. And then 
I went looking today to try and find the winners and give them some form of recognition. Couldn't find anything on it on the Chengdu Marathon website. And I went to the results page and it asked me to enter an, uh, an ID, runner ID number to get access, access to the results. I went to the World, uh, World Athletics page that lists all the results and it's got yeah. results of other events from the 29th of October, but nothing in there for the Chengdu Marathon. It lists it, but it doesn't have any results. Yeah. I found one website that had a whole heap of photos of finishers crossing the line and breaking the tape, but it didn't tell me which races they were breaking the tape for, so I couldn't tell if they won the marathon or a half marathon or some other event. Mm, um, so for, for a world world candidate event to be considered as a major, it's it's not very inclusive to the rest of the world. Yeah, I just find it... Um, fascinating now that they're still even considered a candidate race and I know they've got big numbers and fundamentally they don't need the world to get big numbers Yeah, but uh, uh, it would be such a mistake if Abbott's and the world majors made them number seven because yeah, I just don't get it that because most of the work, the runners in the world are going to be on Facebook or our forms of social media. And I know they've got their own social media channels in China and I know that it's a different world to what we live in. But we like to hear and read things, you know. it's yeah. I, I, I just do not get the fact that this is not still a candidate race and has just been poorly communicated the fact that you cannot get results, Tim, is just flabbergasting. Yeah. Even on YouTube, I couldn't find any sort of video footage of it. There was a link to some footage, but it was one of these illegal links that only had yeah. seconds of footage on there. Yeah. Very little information whatsoever. And, and I said this in the past when I looked at their webpage. It's very yeah. hard to actually read the webpage because it's largely in Chinese and doesn't translate well into English when you push the Translate Now button. Yeah, um, it's it's just a very odd event to be chosen, and I don't know what the thinking was behind choosing it. Um, but whatever it is, if you look at it purely on the the visibility, on the the appeal that's getting uh, you know traction on social media, it's definitely Sydney and Cape Town ahead of mm -hmm. Chengdu in that sense. Uh, if you look at how much effort Abbott's put into say Sydney, um, they put a lot of marketing into that or a lot of um you know their high high executives were out here for the race as they were in cape town and everywhere else but they were announcing things like the world marathon majors age championships for next year in sydney yep. um though they're having meetings with ministers and and premiers of new south wales and really promoting the event on social media cape yep. town i think abbott's was probably a step down and world marathon majors was probably a step down but not too far behind sydney as far as that promotion goes but apart from one post on the Abbott's page, I didn't see anything else um, on the World Marathon Majors um, page yeah. about it, and I didn't see any results. And just listening to the feedback or reading the feedback from a lot of other people, mainly Americans on that page, they yep. do not want to travel to China if they get it. So yeah, they maybe, don't want to travel to Sydney. Yeah, though, but so. they don't want to travel to Sydney. So, but yeah. at least yeah, I I think Sydney's probably a little bit more forgiving. Because there's a little bit of question mark around people's safety and whatnot. And that's purely in many cases about the unknown. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I don't get it. So, 
No. And um, the last bit of news that I wanted to share was um, there's been some um, some discussions, I guess, that have come out of Chicago Marathon. So yeah, um, particularly around Kelvin Kipton and his um, individual uh, mileage times, he's pacing for each mile. Yeah. So um, I think it was mile 18 and mile 22, they said were the fastest miles ever run in a marathon at, you know, 318 pace or two, yeah, yeah, 418. 418 pace or whatever it is for a mile. Mm. Um, and they said it's the fastest ever recorded in a, in a marathon and that's helped him get to the to the world record. Now, there's no, no disputing and there's absolutely no discussion that the world record doesn't stand. The world record stands and the distance of the course has been measured correctly. It's just a couple of the miles, mile 18 and mile 22, I think it was, were short. So where they've pushed the button to say that mile stops, it wasn't actually the accurate position of where that mile stopped. It was actually some distance further down the road. Mm. So it looks like those uh, two mile uh, measurements, which aren't official times in any sense, the official times that the end result over the finish line and then each 5K split where they have yeah. time limits. So the rest of them are just more for you know, talking, I guess, and more about comparison of certain people doing certain races. But it was interesting to hear that during the week that's come out. And, um, you know, I know and you know that they check all these courses very thoroughly as far as their distance goes. But sometimes those mile markers might line up with an intersection in the middle of a road or there's a bridge or a river or something in the way, and they might move them a little bit. They're not 100% accurate, those signs on the side of the road. Yeah, very interesting. I, I jokingly mentioned to you yesterday at our lunch that because everyone was getting PBs and PRs out of Chicago that maybe the course was a little bit short and you shared that with me. And I, when you first started, I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> I was thinking the worst. But, of course, no, the course is fine. It's 42.2, yeah. but there's a couple of miles there that are really, really short. So yes, interesting. You just ran really well in Chicago. That's what you yeah. just have to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. So I guess now it's time to talk all things New York. Tony, we know how fond this is. This is your favourite <laughs> marathon, isn't it? Like tell us yeah. all about what you your thoughts and feelings are on New York. Oh, you'll hear you'll hear heaps um from me later when I sort of dissect the course and so I thought what I'd do is I'd reach out to two of our six star legends that have been on the course uh, on the podcast uh Sarah Coltrainer and uh Mr. Terry Frew and uh, highly respected runners, both of them, and both six-star legends. So I, I just said, tell me what you loved about New York. So this is what Sarah says. Uh, New York is the only major to have an opening ceremony. So listeners may not be aware of that. So I'd highly recommend, uh, recommend going to the Parade of Nations. It's for, well, next week, it's probably too late to apply now, but you can apply to be part of your country's contingent. So they do this parade of nations around the finish line. Um, if you have a really good story, you may even be able to be the flag bearer. So definitely check this out when you do New York City next year. And that's for us three and all of our friends that are doing New York next year. In terms of the marathon itself, I definitely recommend taking some throwaway clothes, something to sit on, and nutrition to the start line. 
it is a long wait, and I'll confirm that when I talk about the yeah. the uh, athletes' videos. However, the start line atmosphere is one of the best I've experienced. There's a cannon blast with every wave, so wow. it's really yeah, it's amazing. Um, she says, "Have a strategy for First Avenue because it's long. It's it's long. There's a couple of long avenues in this race." So. <laughs> Um, and I, she remembers drawing on crowd support a lot. And, of course, um, she's put a couple of Taylor Swift songs there about New York that, of course, she can um, play. And, and the old Blue Eyes Frankie Sinatra with New York, New York. Terry, on the other hand, just I just love New York. I'm a bit biased towards it. It was my first big major. I just love the city, the people, very welcoming, and the crowds. I think I had goosebumps the whole race. Just couldn't believe I was running in the New York City Marathon. The crowds were magic. Two bloody million of them all cheering, screaming, the cowbells, fire engines, bands. I had to pinch myself <laughs> running into and around Central Park. The only thing I didn't like was the walk after the finish to get out. And when he said, when he put that in, I, I remembered the walk after. And I agree with you, Terry. It's horrendous. Um, so anyone doing New York, the walk after the finish is horrible. Uh, he loved the atmosphere, getting to and at the start, the crowds, every bloody thing. I just loved it. He also then put meeting the legendary Rob D. Costella. And of course, meeting Mr. and Mrs. Curl. So thank you, <laughs> thank you very much, Terry Few. But Fru, uh, it was uh, a, a pleasure to meet you, mate. So, um, so the, I thought I'd share their recollections, uh, re recollections, and then I'll walk through some of my stuff when we start talking through the course. Absolutely. Oh, that was great to hear yeah. that from a, another person's or another two people's point of view <laughs> as well. That's good, um, Tim. I know you're a history buff. Tell us about the New York Marathon. Tell me all about what's going on there. Oh, geez, this is this is a, an event that's that's steeped in history. Uh, the first event was run in 1970 in September, so not a November event. It was a September event. And um, what do you reckon, Tony? I know you can see the notes, but ignore the notes. What do you reckon the entry fee for the first ever New York Marathon was per runner? <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> based on the timeline, based on the timeline, it was probably expensive for its time. So, um, and being the first of the the marathons, I would imagine no matter what they put on as a price, people would have had to have juggled up, um, juggled the the books to make sure they get there. So, I'm going to say it was one. Jolly dollar. How's that? <laughs> yeah, you read the notes. <laughs> yes, it was only an entry fee of one US dollar back in 1970. But did you get the same medal? That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the first race attracted 127 uh, runners and only 55 finished. Uh, and it comprised of loops around Central Park. I think it was about four loops from memory around Central Park, four 10K loops. Uh, which would have got boring on that fourth, fourth loop, but that's that's how it was. Uh, so that was in 1970. In 1975, the race was uh, awarded the status of the US Women's Marathon Championships and attracted a field or, or a number of finishes of 339 finishes. Uh, so it started to outgrow Central Park. 
So the following year, 1976, was the first time that they chose to run the New York Marathon through all five New York City boroughs. So Staten Island, Queens, the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. Um, and in 1976, they had 2,090 entrants and 1,549 finishes. So about um, 500 people pulled out. Uh, in 1978, a lady called, oh, here we go, Gretty Waits from Norway was actually a track runner um, and ran her first marathon and set a new world record in her first ever marathon. Pretty mm. crazy. Um, now, her world record um, didn't last very long because the following year she came back and smashed her world record by five minutes. Wow. Um, her world marathon time in 1979 was two hours 27. So my my hero, Asafa in Berlin, she ran a new world record a couple of weeks ago of two hours and 11 minutes. So, mm. um, yeah, unfortunately, Gretty Waits wouldn't even be in the world's top 10 women or top 50 women uh, with a two-hour 27 time. But she was probably running in those um, converse basketball shoes as well so yeah yeah and full tracksuit probably as well so yeah Uh, sweatsuit so yeah it um it was pretty big fast forward to 1989 and the event had 24,659 finishes so Mm. that's bigger than what we got in sydney this year in 1989 so that's how quickly the event grew from from 1970 in the first 20 years it went from 100 whatever it was 150 odd runners finishing to 20 5,000 more or less runners finishing. Um, in 1997, at first was the first time it eclipsed 30,000 runners finishing. Uh, 2000 was the first time they ever had a wheelchair division. Um, and then in 2001, it was a big deal. It was two months after the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center. The event still went ahead and actually was something that helped bring the city back together. It's actually quite mm. famous for what it did brought a lot of hope uh, for the city and also helped with uh, the recovery efforts and, and gave people a bit of motivation to keep going after what happened there. Uh, 2006, it became World Marathon major status along with uh, Boston, Chicago, London and Berlin marathons. Tokyo didn't get awarded their marathon major status until 2013. Uh, 2009, there was 43,660 finishes. So that was the most in any marathon ever in the world at that time. Mm. Uh, 2012, which was the first time the event was cancelled, was uh, straight after Hurricane Sandy. Uh, So my understanding was Hurricane Sandy went through, it was a couple of days just before the marathon started. All these people were in New York for the event, had to um, bunker down in their hotel rooms or in their homes. Um, The marathon was cancelled, but there were still a lot of runners that went out and did their own marathon around the city um, Mm. on the marathon day anyway. Uh, 2013, this was the first time they ever had 50,000 finishes. 50,000, just incredible in 2013. 2014 was the first time they had 1 million finishes cross the line. Uh, and then 2019 was the most ever finishes in the marathon, in any marathon in the world, 53,600 finishes. Yeah, it's incredible. The year we did it in 2018, it was it was 53,000, but obviously not as high as 53,600. And I remember I wrote a blog post about it because 
Uh, 99.7% of the people that started that marathon that year finished it. And like, like that is unheard of. It's just unbelievable. And, um, if I remember when I do the show notes, I'll put a link to that, uh, blog post in there because it is quite, um, an informative discussion on why the numbers are so high. And I, I think New York's just renowned for that. So. Yeah, it's interesting that they get that that high rate of finishes there. It's um, it must be a lot to do with the uh, the crowd, and it must be a lot to do with the fact that it just attracts so many people that have got running experience and knowledge to be able to you know get through the race. I guess as well. I, I think one one of the, I think one of the big things and I've forgotten the gentleman's name, but the previous president of the Road Runners. Um, but, and basically, there's really no cutoff time in New York. So, yeah. and there's a lot of really good feel good stories or YouTube videos mm-hmm. around how, you know, a lot of the, the people who win the marathon then or finish highly come back at a set time to welcome in the final finishes. It's become a thing. Yeah. And it was all driven by oh, his first name was Peter. I've forgotten his name completely, but. But it was all driven by him because he wouldn't leave the finish line until the last finisher had finished. And he, he like some people take 12 hours, you know, some people, yeah. most people were um, around that nine hours, some of them. But he just would not leave. If there was someone on the course, he wouldn't leave until they'd crossed that finish line. So it's created this amazing thing called the late finishes party and now they put up posters and invite people to it so i think it's incredible yeah no i can't wait to see that when we get there we might have to go out and a couple of beers in hand afterwards and celebrate yeah. with Damn. Yeah. how do you know that i'm not going to be one of those late finishes no, you want your six star medal you'll be running hard to get there <laughs> maybe yeah. yeah and then uh i guess 2020 was the other year that the event was cancelled that was cancelled due to COVID in, in the year 2020 yeah. And I guess they've been playing catch up on their numbers since. So 2021, they limited the field size to 25,000 finishes only. And uh, I guess 2022 and uh, was another catch up year. And I think this year you'll see a big number there as well because mm. it's the first sort of time they've opened the field right up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many people finish this year and whether they set another record or not. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing history and, and pretty awesome to see that. An event that went from one dollar per entry, what now is worth, you know, I don't know what the price is, probably four or five hundred dollars US an entry. Yeah, easy, uh, easy. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I was reading a story today about a, a gentleman called Ted Corbett, who was uh, an African American, our fifty-two Olympian, and he was the first ever president, the first uh, president of the New York Roadrunners. And he was instrumental in designing the Five Boroughs course, and and changing from Central Park to the to the Five Boroughs. And largely, the course is the same as what he developed way back then. And there's now a loop, I believe, in Central Park that's named after Ted Corbett. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, I've seen that on on some of the YouTube things I've seen as well, uh, which is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, we're looking forward to it next year. We've watched it a number of times over the years on 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 you know the live streams and things like that. 
Yeah. But, um, and we've run it on our treadmill, but it will be completely different <laughs> than that. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for that. Um, so with a 50-year-plus history, this event certainly deserves its place as one of the premier races in the world. Guys, you both love to follow the elite. Who's running this the race this year and what are we expecting for time-wise? Tony, you can have the name. I love yeah. somebody else. Uh, um, <laughs> The, the elites are interesting because I think there's even been more pullout since I spoke about it the other week. Mm, on yeah. So we know Shabet and Camrora aren't running, and I am positive there's been even more um, yeah. pullouts. And so I don't know what's going on, but, you know, the names that we still have, you know, Mosinet Gerard Wu from Ethiopia. Um, <laughs> He was 202. Um, his personal best is 202. Sharu Katata at 204 from Ethiopia. Um, Abdi Nagay is 204 from Netherlands. Uh, Cam Levens from Canada uh, mm. at 205. So they're still pretty quick. Cam um, Levens is somebody to watch, actually. Cam Levens is somebody who most, most elites are doing one or two training sessions a day. Cam is one of these runners that does three, sometimes four sessions a day. Wow. He just loves running. If you if you Google Cam Levens, he's one of these freaks of running that is um, puts in the volume and the bulk in the training track um, yeah. and is getting the rewards in his times. They just keep coming down and down and down every time he runs. Yeah, yeah. And so there is a, um, you know, still quite a, it's going to be a quick field no matter what, even though New York itself isn't a quick course. Um, in the women, we've got Bridget Koskai from Kenya. I'm, I've got a sneaking suspicion she may not be running. Yeah, but I think she's dropped out too. But yeah. I couldn't find it. I went looking for it today for the dropouts of yeah. the elite, and it's hard to find any information about it's, the dropouts. It's almost like NYC are embarrassed by it. For it but, but, you know, maybe there's a bit of Kenya in in it because they've all been Kenyan athletes that yeah. have dropped out. I, I don't know. Um, it, do you think with that doping thing, maybe? Oh, um, yeah, no. let's not. Yeah, like any speculations? Let's, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's hope not. But anyway, it does seem just really weird that there's a lot, um, you know, especially a major like New York. Um, let's embed Skitsy from Ethiopia is going to be there anyway at 2.16. Perez Jepcher from Kenya, 2.17. Yalazim, oh my God! How do I, I'm, another <laughs> evening there at two seventeen. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's still um, there's still Kenyans in the race. Kellen Taylor from USA is holding the banner for the star uh, star spangled banner. So at two twenty four. So Molly Hoddle at um, two twenty six. So there'll still be some decent racing, I'd imagine. But it's just a, all very confusing and very obscure with these um dropouts and on the australian side i believe i saw something today that cam rayner is is running it on the men's side and sinead diver and uh what's that uh, lisa waitman lisa yeah we'll be running okay. it on the women's side for australia as well so cam rayner uh cam. not cam rayner um jack, jack we're talking about yeah, jack, jack jack rayner jack rayner 
because yeah. he he ran New York in 2019 and did a stellar job. He was yeah. with the leaders right up until they crossed over the Queensborough Bridge, and that's when he sort of lost um, sight of them. So um, I hope he does well. I I thought he actually stopped looking at marathons, but that's pleasing to see yeah. that he's back. Yeah, yeah. Saw, him, saw him. If you go onto the New York City Roadrunners um, page where they profile the athletes, he's, yeah. he's on for this year. Excellent. Excellent. Jack, go kill it. I'd love yeah. to see you win that. There's really Lisa would. and Chanae. They're, they're good Aussie runners, those two. And, and again, they're, they're running hard for Paris Marathon. Yeah. So you, you'll see some quick times from the Aussies, I think. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Shall we so, talk about the course? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, let's talk about the course. It's a point-to-point course. Um, yeah. Starts and finishes at Staten Island and yeah. finishes. Starts in Staten Island. Starts at Staten Island and finishes at Central Park. Sorry, my mistake. <laughs> uh, the course winds its way through the five New York boroughs. Tony, you've run this, so let's get your take on it. Okay, so let's uh, talk a little bit. I know we're going to talk about the start village and getting to Staten Island a little bit later on. Um, but let's, uh, we, we, the only bit of Staten Island that we do and uh, is at the start line. So we cross the Verrazano Narrows Bridge immediately. Now, by the time you've landed in Brooklyn, you're, the two mile marker is about, uh, maybe 400 metres off the bridge. So by the time you've come off the Verrazano Bridge and into Brooklyn, you're already two miles deep into the marathon, which is something to think about. The We ran, there's two levels of the Verrazano Bridge. Uh, we got the lower level and initially we were quite disappointed with that um, because you hear all these reports and, and, of course, we've seen it in real life in many marathons where many of the male population will stop and uh, do a leak, right? And apparently that happens at New York. They do it over the bridge. And apparently if you're running the lower level, uh, there may be a tendency to get some spray, right, from the top level. <laughs> so that's, um, that's something to look forward. Now, I can tell you quite honestly, <laughs> that did not happen right, to Sharon and I. And as Tarek wisely said, you run in the middle of the bridge. We did. And uh, it did not happen. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but uh, it may be more rumour and uh, bluster than anything else. So, it, But it's really interesting. It's By the time you hit Brooklyn, um, you're pretty much two miles deep into it. Now, Brooklyn... Wait, Tony, before you go any further, yeah. how do you get put onto the bridge levels like is it part uh, it's, of it's your corral just part or... of it's part yeah. of your wave and your corrals yeah right okay and um and and it's like every marathon you can't move up corrals you can't move down corrals and i remember one of the um gentlemen in the uh, traveling fit group was really quite upset because he had an a higher corral but he was going under the bridge his wife was on a lower corral and she was going over the bridge, and he he couldn't bring himself to drop back the corral to run with his wife so he could go over. So he grudgingly stayed in the higher corral and had to run on the lower level. So um, I think every now and again um, egos get in the way, 
And yeah. in that case, I certainly would have dropped back and run over the bridge with my wife. But you can't move up corrals like everywhere else. So. so it's a bit like London where you get stuck with the yellow, the green, the, you know, blue, whatever wave yeah. you're in, you're in that and you run that course. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. yeah they're, now, they're sort of two different levels, aren't they? So you have a lower level in the park area and one sort of on the road, isn't it, where the corrals are and you sort of look. Yeah, 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 you do. So there's, it's like an off ramp, so to yeah. speak. So, and the, the lower level go in the off ramp, and the other le upper level go. But there's three or four different courses as you. I, I've forgotten the exact number. So as you come off the bridge, there's you're on a different course, and they all don't necessarily join up until you're about kilometer ten. Yeah. So you you're following a different path, but once you're in Brooklyn, um, it's pretty flat. It's predominantly flat. And the thing about Brooklyn is that it is such, like 4th Avenue is long. It's really long. There is a lot of long stretches in the New York Marathon. And 4th Avenue in Brooklyn is really, really long. And most of the time, good crowds, good music, good vibes, until you hit um, Williamsburg. And there's an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood as you're coming out of, heading into Williamsburg, um, Brooklyn. And they talk about the Queensborough Bridge being the most quiet part on the course. I would say the Orthodox Jewish community is just weirdly si uh, silent. It's, um, there's no one on the, there is no one cheering you on sunday to the community in that neighborhood is a work day so you've got all the men in their traditional jewish attire you've got kids that are looking at you with some sort of weird sort of confusion <laughs> and there is just no one on the streets right just no one and it's just odd but then you come out of that and you're moving into places like, you know, the more hipster part of Williamsburg. You start running down Bedford Avenue and Bedford Avenue is just party central. So it is the narrowest part of the course in my memory. And it's not because the course narrows. It's still a two-lane road. No. The crowds come on. <laughs> And so all the crowds are, are spilling out of the bars. They've got their beers. They're cheering everyone on. They've got their their boom boxes. They're dressed up in '80s disco gear, and they're offering you beers. And you're probably four or five wide as a runner as you're coming through. But it is such a great vibe. It is such a great vibe. Brooklyn just kills it in terms of crowd vibe. You then turn um, off into. Uh, Greenpoint and uh, you know a really special part for us was we caught up with family at Greenpoint so as we've come swung past McCarran Park at uh, Greenpoint there we've seen the family hugs kisses selfies you know all that sort of stuff <laughs> and off we go again so um, but Brooklyn is amazing the atmosphere is fantastic um, we then go into Queens and Queens the vibe is different uh, the crowds are still there, but it's got that. There's a there's an attitude in Queens, and the signs change. Even the signs have attitude, right? <laughs> um, and like it's hard to explain. It's just different. But you then hit the halfway um, mark. I think the bridge is the Pulaski Bridge, 
um, and that's you're halfway there. So um, Queens is just really quite incredible to be. It's just different. It's weird. Um, at twenty two point five, you head into the. There's five bridges in, in the course overall. So, and that's where the hills come. Most of the hills come from because all the bridges have are, 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 are quite steep. But the Queensborough Bridge. Now, a lot of people say this is uh, the quietest part of the course. You know, I, I would say it's on a par with what you hear in the Orthodox Jewish section of Williamsburg. But what is different about Queensborough Bridge is that you're alone. You're at, you're you're alone with your thoughts and the sound of all the other runners around you, running across this old steel. Um, format bridge so it, there's echoes you are hearing everything that's going on with every single runner going across the bridge so it's you're really deep in your thought now Queensborough Bridge is where I had a bit of a blowout with my knee which almost um, well nothing was going to stop us but it we, we stopped for about three four minutes just so I could just readdress and restrap my knee and that's the thing that stands out at Queensborough for me but as you're coming down out of the Queensborough Bridge you hear this noise and the noise is amazing and you and you, it's just cheering and crowds so Queensborough Bridge leads into First Avenue Manhattan and that sound just hits you the the minute you come off the bridge and you do a little bit of a loop that brings you back the sound just hits you the crowds along first avenue are amazing and and once again you're just blown away it's long it's arduous it's taking you into the bronx it's taking you into harlem but um but that noise is just incredible and the crowd support just cheers you through right so Going into the Bronx, um, the bridges in Harlem and the Bronx really hurt because you're starting to get to those later stages of the run. But there's a place there. I made a note of it today, and it's called Mark around mile 22. It's called Marcus Gavey Park, and you do like this big loop around the park. And the amazing thing in this area, so this is like Harlem. I think it's Harlem. And you've got all these old churches and you've got everyone hopefully has seen the movie Sister Act. You've got all these singing nuns on the oh, front, front doors of the, the, the front steps of the churches. And they're they're singing and then across the street you've got a dude doing rap and then you've got people offering you pretzels and <laughs> just about so it's just this huge community spirit as you go around that park and it's just incredible but um yeah the, the music's amazing all the way through um but then you're on Fifth Avenue and one of the things that stood out from me in Rob D Costello's addressed uh, address to us the night before the the marathon was um, if you tie, if you set off right and you pace yourself you will be passing people as you go down Fifth Avenue because there's an incline in Fifth Avenue as well so it's a little bit uh, it can be a little bit challenging but um, and we found that we were passing people on Fifth Avenue Sharon and I were passing people 
And one of the biggest things that stood out to me was there was a guy whose legs were just racked in cramps and he's holding on to his wife. You could see just his legs were just like this immovable mass and he was hobbling. He's holding on to his wife and she's trying to get him across the line. Um, And mind you, we're still like three miles to the finish. Um, so he's still got a bit to go. And I said, Sharon, I, I want to stop and help. She said, no, we've got to help ourselves. We've got to help ourselves. But they give him some pickle juice. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about pickle juice at that stage, did I? So, um, but, yeah, so, and it's interesting. See, you run then into Central Park and you go into Central Park from Fifth Avenue and you're right down the, um, the far end to where you're going to finish. And you sort of, this is where your mind plays a bit of tricks because you're coming into Central Park. So we came into Central Park, it was still daylight. Um, And so your mind's sort of saying, I'm in Central Park, I'm finishing soon. But you're not because you've still got like three miles to go or something. It's some ridiculous amount. And Central Park is actually deceptively hilly. So people will say, you know, it it's flat. And yes, in, in the scheme of things, it probably is flat. But there's some little hills there that give you some trouble. Anyway, so when we you come out of Central Park, you then go on to, I think it's West 59th Street. And then you come out of Central Park and then you come back into Central Park oh. around where the Columbus Circle is. And if anyone's been to New York, that's usually where you see the um, the horse-drawn carriages, that yeah. sort of thing. So um, and then you've got your finish line coming up down there in Central Park. So it's an amazing course. The, the memories are just so strong and vivid. It was our very, very first one. There are lots of landmarks along the way from looking at the New York City skyline when you're on the Verrazano Bridge. Uh, you see the Statue of Liberty from the Verrazano Bridge. Um, you run past the Barclay Center where the Brooklyn Nets play. Um, you There are so many historical architectural buildings. There's museums. There's historic districts. And all of this stuff, if that's your bent, you're going to run past it and you're just going to go, wow. Um, the crowds are amazing, but the, the course is challenging. Um, but it is so much fun to do. And I am so jealous of everyone that's going to run that next yeah. Sunday or this Sunday when the podcast comes out. And then, of course, um, hopefully we'll be joined by many, many people next year because I am so excited to run it again. Um, I'm excited just listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to run it right now. But uh, Yeah. Uh, the other thing we did, sorry, I was, and I'm sure that this was a travelling fit thing, they'd organised a bus trip the day before the marathon to do a bus tour of the, the course. Oh, yeah. And I actually like that because you you get to understand some marathons, some landmarks, and you can have in your mind. But the one landmark that stood out was this full building picture of, and it was in Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn's so much fun, but it was in Brooklyn. And it was a bottle of a Modelo beer. Modelo's a brand of beer in the US. And it said, it's all um, just 21 miles to go for you to have one. 
<laughs> so oh, for the next 21 miles, all you're thinking is Modelo. All I'm thinking, Modelo, 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 Modelo. A bit of an advertisement. It was. Uh, it just sticks out in your mind that one. So, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. can't wait to do it with you guys next year. It should yeah. be great. Absolutely. So, I guess look, we know all about the history of the and the elites and. Um, about the course now and Tony we know you love the expos we know how much you like to analyze those and get into the nitty-gritties yeah. what do you think of the New York Expo well it's 2018 it was amazing um, it was big it was colorful and interesting I, I noticed that you've got to now put in a time slot to pick up your bib we didn't have that when we did it um, well, I'm pretty sure we didn't. Maybe Sharon was more um, <laughs> would have known more about that, but I'm pretty sure we didn't. But um, lots of other brands there, so it's a New Balance uh, sponsored marathon. But there are other brands, so I just can't recall whether that was part of a retail outfit. But there were different there were different stalls. It was huge. There was people everywhere, but it was organised, and you know I just loved it back in 2018. And I think that memory is what I judge other expos on yep. um, because I know that I you just get captured in this whole sense of I'm in something that's special. And, and like, one of the things that I seem to miss now when I go to expos is I never seem to get, um, you know, the, the stages where they're talking to people or giving hints. Mm -hmm. When, well, I think we went twice to the New York Expo and we were there for quite some period of time and they had rolling events on the stages. So it was this person's on till 2 o'clock then this person's going to come on and then we've got a panel discussion. So it was an all-day agenda of events and I just haven't seen that in any of the other expos. So I don't know what goes on there. But, uh, yeah. But Gold yeah. Coast definitely have yeah, that. Um, Gold Coast are quite good with that. But yeah. I London and Tokyo, I think had London. I thought had a a, a little area there with with presenters presenters, mm. and Tokyo did, but couldn't understand a lot of it in Tokyo, obviously. But yeah. But, but um, yeah. In in New York, I think the the seating arrangement that you could have probably fitted a hundred, two hundred people there, yeah. and it was full at all times. So it's not something that you could miss. And I have seen stages in other areas, but it seems like they've reduced the so. I, yeah, I, I think we every major just needs to look at. Hey, we need to look at our expos and get our expos back, and yeah. get get them um, streamed on the net. Everyone's yeah. got to be able to watch it. So I also like the idea of nominating a time slot. I reckon that might be a good way of reducing the the peak mm -hmm. crowds. Um, and and you just have a, a more even stream of people going through it. It might be a better way of doing it. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that goes this year. Yeah, it will be. It will be, and no doubt we will hear feedback all over the net. <laughs> yeah. As long as I've got enough merchandise for everybody, that's the most important thing for everybody. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, they wouldn't let me in because my plane was late and I couldn't get to the expo until three hours after my nominated time slot, and they didn't let me in, so I couldn't get yeah. a weekend you, place. You can see the post already, can't you? Yeah. You can just yeah, yeah, yeah. see the post, yeah. Yeah, and it's Sorry. everyone else's fault, but there's. <laughs> How did you get to the start line if it was on Staten Island then? Like, because you wouldn't have stayed on Staten Island, I'm assuming. No, we we stayed close to the finish line, and okay. uh, thank thank you to our friends at Travelling Fit. Um, they 
which is a good thing because it's a long walk at the finish line, but um, it could have been a longer walk and a train trip if we were with other companies, I guess. But, um, yeah, well, Travelling Fit busts you out to the start line and um, as part of the, the package. So in respect of that, that's how we got out there. But, you know, our wave didn't run until 11 o'clock. Wow. So that's a, yeah, wow. that it's late, and we did not. We got there, you know. I think the bus left at six thirty in the morning. So it, it's a long time in the start village. Um, start village is amazing. I, I went looking this afternoon because you get these Dinkum donut beanies um, when you're out there, and they're this horrible orange color. <laughs> and um, and but you need them because it's quite cool. And but Sharon kept her. She ran with it down the back of her pants the whole time. <laughs> and so we've always had this Dinkum donut and beanie here. And just when I wanted to wear it for the show, um, we couldn't find it. So, but anyway, so but the start line, the start village is once again probably one of those better ones that we see. We took little gym mats, cut them up so we could sit. We sat on bitumen where we were, but you've got. Um, all these tents all around you with bagels, juice, coffee, you know, you name it, it it's all available. So um, toilets are always a nightmare no matter where you go. But, you know, because you're there for a couple of hours and most people usually are there for a couple of hours because you're either going to get there by bus or by Staten Island Ferry um, and... Uh, but uh, you sort of schedule yourself to go to the loo a couple of different times, like we were there for probably three hours. But you're also it's still in the vibe. So we could see the bridge. We could see Verrazano Narrows Bridge where we were. And every time the cannon went off, you knew that there would be this stream of runners going over the bridge. So you still had this entertainment happening all around you. And as waves were called, you've lost people around you and it started <laughs> to get a bit more... So yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting the start village and um, just the only thing is just that wait time and the length, but the finish area, um, it's long. So where you finish, there's probably uh, I can't recall exactly how far, but to get out of Central Park, you're probably looking at a two to three kilometer walk. Wow. To, to get out. Tokyo was a good walk like that yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you you pick up your silver um, poncho, your, your first bit, you get your thingamajigs, you, you get your medal, sorry. Yeah, that's what we run for. And then they give you a proper poncho, which is pretty cool. Mine's somewhere here, somewhere. <laughs> um, and um, and once again, there you're picking up, you know, your your Cokes and your, your, they're giving you goodie bags and all this sort of stuff, but it is a long walk. And then because there's only certain streets that you can then move on to to meet up with family, you are then potentially got another two to three K walk to catch up with people, so um, to meet people. So we were dying for a chocolate thick shake at the end of the New York City Marathon. And, of course, the only McDonald's we went to the machine wasn't working. <laughs> you guys so, are the jinx of the machines for McDonald's. You know that. I, I, I reckon we are. I reckon we are. And then 
the other thing just to well in 2018 anyway there was um where the marathon finishes i i'm I, i've forgotten the name i thought you'd put it down somewhere but it's having on the green yeah so that's where the um the finishes um gear is available from around there so you walk in with your medal and the only way you can get in is with the medal around your neck and um, that's where you buy your finishes gear from so pretty much such a highlight and um but uh, once we got our finishes gear, we jumped out of our hotel, headed back to Brooklyn to be with family. And we I was just that keen to get to a sports bar for Monday Night Football <laughs> and uh, a little sports bar in Brooklyn drinking some beautiful craft beers that they had, um, having run the New York Marathon, sort of just topped it all off for me. It was uh, just such a wonderful time. We'll have to do that. We're definitely doing it next year. Definitely. We have to. Yep. Mm. You've got me all excited now. <laughs> Doesn't take much to get me excited for a marathon. Um, mm. So we've got to do that time of the week. Tim, what's your tip? Oh. Oh, we're up to the tip time. Tip time already. All right. Wow. Flying by. Look at that. 56 minutes of time. Wow. All well, right, before, so we, before we go into Tim's tip, why don't we ask the viewers to share with us whether the New York Marathon is part of your bucket list or what you want to do and what are you most looking forward to doing there in, in the New York Marathon? What is it that you really want to see or get excited about? Um, maybe let's get some feedback from our listeners around the NYC. Is it part of your, uh, your bucket list? And then what is it that you're most looking forward to? Because everyone's got their own things that they run New York for. You get spoiled, of course, if it's your very first marathon like Terry Frew and Tony and Sharon Curl. <laughs> um, but um, there is just so much to enjoy along the course. So let's hear from our listeners. Make some commentary around um, on, on Spotify. We'll make sure it's part of our questions this week. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be good to hear. Yeah. All right. Sorry. All right. So my tip. So my tip this week's around GPS watches and, and some basic sort of information relating to watches, I guess. So um, generally, most GPS watches are accurate to around about three metres in normal sort of circumstances. Uh, this means that at any given time, your watch will save your location within three metres of where your actual location is. Um, and if your watch is recording a GPS location every second and you do not pause your activity while you're standing, your watch can record up to an extra 180 minutes in just one minute, so 60 minutes times three. So it can deviate just by standing still if you don't pause meters? your watch. 180 metres, yes. Yeah. So what did I say? Minutes. Minutes. 180 metres. Well, well picked up, Tara. Tara. <laughs> I'm just thinking that's a long time to be picking up. Yeah. yeah. So pause your yeah. watch. So rule number one is when you stop for even a short time, pause your watch if you want an accurate reading on your watch. Uh, and these, this information is actually off the, the Garmin website, so it, it's reasonably accurate. It's just mm. not Tim saying it. Because um, we all know Tim saying things can mean anything. <laughs> um, there can be other influences on your accuracy of your watch, generally environmental issues. So things like running in, uh cvd areas with tall buildings around you uh running under trees in forests and those sorts of things 
uh, can also be when you're running around a big group of people and they're all getting signals as well. So this is why on some of your major marathons, Tokyo, for instance, we were out by a long way on Tokyo Marathon on our watch because big, tall buildings, lots of people around us, all affects the the, um, the, the accuracy of the GPS. Um, so what can you do to reduce the GPS drift, as they call it? Um, the first thing you can do is what they call soaking your GPS. And basically when you hit uh, run and you're ready to start and it starts searching for satellites, getting the green bar that you get, say, on your Garmin watch to say it's found satellites only gives you a, a sort of a minimum number of satellites that it needs to operate. But if you wait another two or three minutes before you start the run activity, you'll actually keep finding more and more satellites, which will give it a more accurate positioning process. Um, as I said, use your auto pause function or pause the watch when you're not running. Um, but also for a lot of people, you probably aren't aware that there's a number of different settings on your watch. So trail running uh, has, is a setting that's on your watch that is actually a little bit more accurate because it's, it's taking into account um, that you might be surrounded by trees and canopies of trees and therefore it takes more readings of your position and records those positions more frequently than what it would on a normal it also run. records that you're taking shorter footsteps yeah. um, than what you would on a road yeah so your stride length and things will change because mm. it picks that up as well on a trail run but if you use trail running it can be a little bit more accurate but it can also drain the battery more quickly mm. um, and a lot of gps watches now particularly the more um, newer watches also allow you to hook into additional gps systems that are out there so the normal GPS system relies on the American military satellite system that they use, but there are other ones. So if you hook it up with GPS plus, say, GLONASS, which is a Russian satellite system, it then gives you a much more accurate positioning. And there's another one called Galileo, which is an EU satellite system as well, which will give you more mm. accuracy as well. So it is important to understand that if you really want accurate running um, distance, particularly for those people who are looking for accuracy, uh, just be mindful of those various settings on your watch because it can really affect um, your outcome of your, your distance that you're running. And I wasn't aware before I looked at this, I wasn't actually aware that if you just leave your watch running, it will just keep drifting three metres out every second based yeah. on that position. And you could be out by up to 180 metres every minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. I'll, I'll share something really quickly because the first yeah. thing that's going through my head at the moment is I'm wondering how the hell do I get Tim's tip onto an Instagram post next Tuesday. So there's a lot of information there. Yeah. Once again, as Tim is very detailed and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to choose three bullet points from that. <laughs> but the interesting thing about GPS, and we found this out in Chicago, um, we couldn't get the satellite green thing on our garment. So we yeah. just said, okay, just press and away we go. Mm -hmm. And it was spot on the whole way. The The course is accurate. Our times were accurate from the, from the time we set. And um, and I'm just thinking, how can that be? We didn't even like, I was expecting, and everyone's telling us Chicago's horrible for the first five Ks. We were perfect. So, and because Sharon didn't get satellite either. So somewhere along the line, once we've clicked, let's get going, um, which is what we call our, button let the let's get going button um <laughs> it it was pretty spot on so yeah, I, yeah. So, so, so to get that green bar it's looking for maybe 10 satellites to hook into yeah. 
and you may yeah. have had seven or eight satellites, so not enough mm -hmm. to get the full green bar, but it's enough for it to go, okay, well, I can position myself yeah. off those ones. Yeah, and then and move from run, it's probably picked up a few others as you ran. Good. Mm -hmm. Now I understand. Yeah. yeah. You've just got to remember, though, the more you put onto these watches, the more battery life you're going to use up. So if you want to do an ultra, I don't recommend using your torch function and every other thing on it. Um, if you want your battery life to last. Well, yeah, so. yeah. I saw, saw a video the other day of a Garmin watch where it's got a strobe light function oh. at night time so that it's strobing constantly so people can see you in the dark. Good idea. Good yeah. idea, but... You can, also buy, you can also buy headlamps that do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which don't drain your battery and your watch, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for your very long tip there, Tim. Sorry. Good <laughs> <laughs> um, luck getting that onto an Instagram post, don't you? <laughs> Maybe I might read the run sheet next week and actually shorten things down. Yeah. Um, who's our special guest next week? Any... All right, next week we are talking to one of our... Marathon mates, Kim Tujman. Now, Kim, um, we've met Kim a number of times, and, of course, we've had Steve and her husband on um, when we talked about the Sydney Marathon. So we're really excited to be talking to Kim. Um, she was recently in Chicago, where all the good people were, <laughs> uh, to, to run in the World Marathon Age Group Championship. So Kim's going to join us to talk about her journey, what it's like to be invited to the world age championships he's probably going to tell us a little bit more about the world age championships and what we know um, because not a lot of people know about them so it could be something that many of our listeners get involved in so and um i believe if uh she's doing tokyo for her six star with steven so there's another two people to myself and sharon that are doing tokyo um in 2024 ankle permitting of course um to do our six star so that'll be good so really excited to talk to kim could you imagine the party at ko plaza hotel afterwards with tony and sharon and kim and Stephen getting <laughs> well, well in tokyo they do a formal event for all six stars it's like a celebration so yeah. we've um we've um put that on our itinerary and we've got the kids coming to that and so i don't know what that's going to be like but you you may as well do it you only get your six star one so we went to it and it's um very loud and noisy but it was actually quite good yeah. in the end it just took a while for us to get ourselves sorted because it was a bit disorganized at first but well it was it... disorganized compared to what i thought it was going to be but it, yeah. it was a really fun night very cultural lots of fun great food yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do it. And yep. good, good beer. Yeah, gotta have good beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thanks for that, Tony. Um, before we wrap up, I'd like to do a shout out to a couple of our listeners that are running New York next week. Monica and Brian, good luck. Um, this it's, is their yeah. first ever marathon, so yeah, we they're gonna love it. Out. Absolutely, and we know that Brian is an avid listener, and he. Well, so is Monica, but yeah. I know that they will do an amazing job. So wishing them all the best. Um, Good luck, guys. Joel as well, who's um, we had on last week from the IMP. Um, Joel yep. yep. So best of luck to Joel. Um, we've it's, got, it's his first ever marathon too. It's his first marathon as well. We've got Louise, one of our friends, who's actually doing her six stars in wow. New York. So that's very good. Um, good luck to all of them. I hope the weather's fantastic and they do well. Mm. 
So that ends our show tonight. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of The Flying Runner. If you did enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you have listened or watched this episode. Video of this episode will be available at Spotify and YouTube and audio will be on Apple, Amazon and Google Podcasts and most other popular podcast platforms. Remember, every step forward is a victory. Lace up, hit the road and we'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, happy running. Happy running. Happy running. Happy running.